Chapter One, Part Three of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter One, Part Three of The Temple. The prince had, as we know, promised sure occupation to Madame by giving her accidentally and to employ her mind a part to play in some future work of charity being certain to find sure misery for her to curtail before his next meeting with that lady he thought that perhaps chance might bring him before some unfortunate and worthy person who would as he trusted interest the heart and imagination of madame d'harville the sketch of the letter which he held in his hands and the copy of which had doubtless never been sent to the person whose assistance was implored evinced a high and resigned mind which would revolt from an offer of alms so then how many precautions how many plans how much delicacy must be employed to conceal the source of such generous succour or to make it accepted and then how much address to introduce oneself to such a female in order to judge if she really merited the interest which she seemed capable of inspiring rodolph foresaw in the development of this mysterious affair a multitude of new and touching emotions which would singularly attract madame d'harville in the way he had previously proposed to her well husband said rigolette gaily to rodolph what is there so interesting in that piece of paper which you are reading there my little wife replied rodolph you are very inquisitive i will tell you by and by have you bought all you want yes and your poor friends will be set up like kings there is nothing to do now but to pay madame bouvard has made every allowance i must do her that credit my little wife an idea occurs to me whilst i am paying suppose you go and choose the clothes for madame morel and her children i confess my ignorance on the subject of such purchases you can tell them to bring everything here and then all the things will be together and the poor people will have everything at once you are right husband wait here and i shall not be long i know two shopkeepers here where i am a regular customer and i shall find in their shops all i require and rigolette went out saying madame bouvard take care of my husband and do not flirt with him mind whilst i'm gone and then came the laugh and away the merry maiden ran i must say sir said mother bouvard to rodolph that you have a capital little manager there peste she knows how to make a bargain and then she is so prettily behaved and pretty-looking red and white with those large beautiful black eyes and such hair is she not charming and ain't i a happy husband madame bouvard as happy a husband as she is a wife i am sure of that you are not mistaken but tell me how much i owe you your little lady would only give me three hundred and thirty francs for the whole as true as heaven's above us i only make fifteen francs by the bargain for i did not try to get the things as cheaply as i might for i hadn't the heart to bait em down the people who sold em seemed so uncommon miserable really were they the same people that you bought this little secretaire of yes sir and it cuts my heart to think of it only imagine the day before yesterday there came here a young and still pretty girl but so pale and thin one could almost see through her and you know that pains people that have any feeling at all although she was as they say neat as a new-made pin her old threadbare black worsted shawl her black stuffed gown which was also worn bare her straw bonnet in the month of january for she was in mourning all showed what we call great distress for i am sure she was a real lady 
at last blushing up to the very eyes she asked me if i would buy two beds and bedding complete and a little old secretaire i said that as i sold of course i bought and that if they would suit me i would have them but that i must see the things she then asked me to go with her to her apartment not far off on the other side of the boulevards in a house on the quay of st martin's canal i left my niece in the shop and followed the lady until we reached a smallish house at the bottom of a court we went up to the fourth floor and the lady having knocked the door was opened by a young girl about fourteen years of age who was also in mourning and equally pale and thin but still very very pretty so much so that i was quite astonished well and this young girl was the daughter of the lady in mourning though it was very cold yet a thin gown of black cotton with white spots and a small shabby mourning shawl that was all she had on her and their rooms were wretched imagine sir two little rooms very neat but nearly empty and so cold that i was almost froze there was not a spark of fire in the grate nor any appearance of there having been any for a very long time all the furniture was two beds two chairs a chest of drawers an old portmanteau and the small secretaire and on the chest was a parcel wrapped in a pocket-handkerchief this small parcel was all the mother and child had left when their furniture was once sold the landlord had taken the two bedsteads the chairs a trunk and a table for what was due to him as the porter said who had gone upstairs with us then the lady begged me fairly to estimate the mattresses sheets curtains and quilts and as i am an honest woman sir although it is my business to buy cheap and sell dear yet when i saw the poor young thing with her eyes full of tears and her mother who in spite of her affected calmness seemed to be weeping in her heart i offered for the things fifteen francs more than they were worth to sell again i swear i did i agreed too just to oblige them to take the small secretaire although it is not a sort of thing i ever deal in i will buy it of you madame bouvard will you though so much the better sir for it is else likely to stay with me for some time i took it as i say only to oblige the poor lady i told her then what i would give her for the things and i expected that she would haggle a bit and ask me something more i did then it was that i saw she was not one of the common she was in downright misery she was and no mistake about it i am sure i says to her it's worse so much she answers me and says very well let us go back to your shop and you can pay me there for we shall not return here again to this house then she says to her daughter who was sitting on the trunk a-crying claire take this bundle i remember the name and i'm sure she called her claire then the young lady got up but as she was crossing the room as she came to the little secretaire she went down on her knees before it and dear heart how the poor thing did sob courage my dear child remember some one sees you said her mother to her in a low voice but yet i heard her you may tell sir they were poor but very proud notwithstanding when the lady gave me the key of the little secretaire i saw a tear in her red eyes and it seemed as if her very heart bled at parting with this old piece of furniture but she tried to keep up her courage and not seem downcast before strangers then she told the porter that i should come and take away all that the landlord did not keep and after that we came back here the young lady gave her arm to her mother and carried in her hand the small bundle 
which contained all they possessed in the world i handed them their three hundred and fifteen francs and then i never saw them again but their name i don't know the lady sold me the things in the presence of the porter and so i had no occasion to ask her name for what she sold belonged to her but their new address i don't know that either no doubt they know at their old lodging no sir for when i went back to get the things the porter told me speaking of the mother and daughter that they were very quiet people very respectable and very unfortunate i hope no misfortune has happened to them they appear to be very calm and composed but i am sure they were quite in despair and where are they gone now to lodge i asked ma foi i don't know was the answer they left without telling me and i am sure they will not return here the hopes which rodolph had entertained for a moment vanished how could he go to work to discover these two unfortunate females when all the trace he had of them was that the young daughter's name was claire and the fragment of a letter of which we have already made mention and at the bottom of which were these words to write to madame de lucenay for monsieur de saint-remy the only and very remote chance of discovering the traces of these unfortunates was through madame de lucenay who fortunately was on intimate terms with madame d'harville here ma'am be so good as to take your money said rodolph to the shopkeeper handing her a note for five hundred francs i will give you the change sir what is your address rue du temple number seventeen rue du temple number seventeen oh very well very well i know it have you ever been to that house often first i bought the furniture of a woman there who lent money on wages it is not a very creditable business to be sure but that's no affair of mine she sells i buy and so that's settled another time not six weeks ago i went there again for the furniture of a young man who lived on the fourth floor and was moving away monsieur francois germain perhaps said rodolph just so did you know him very well and unfortunately he has not left his present address in the rue du temple so i do not know where to find him but where shall we find a cart to take the goods as it is not far a large truck will do and old jerome is close by my regular commissionaire if you wish to know the address of m francois germain i can help you what do you know where he lives not exactly but i know where you may be sure to meet with him where at the notary's where he works at a notary's yes who lives in the rue du sentier Monsieur jacques ferrand exclaimed rodolph yes and a very worthy man he is there is a crucifix and some holy boxwood in his study it looks just as if one was in a sacristy but how did you know that m germain worked at this notary's why this way this young man came to me to ask me to buy his little lot of furniture all of a lump so that time too though rather out of my line i bought all his kit and brought it here because he seemed a nice young fellow and i had a pleasure in obliging him well i bought him right clean out and i paid him well he was no doubt very well satisfied for a fortnight afterwards he came again to buy some bed furniture from me a commissionaire with a truck went with him everything was packed well but at the moment he was going to pay me lo and behold he had forgotten his purse but he looked so like an honest man that i said to him take the things with you never mind 
i shall be passing your way and will call for the money very good says he but i am never at home so call to-morrow in the rue du sentier at m jacques ferrand's the notary where i am employed and i will pay you i went next day and he paid me only what was very odd to me was that he sold his things and then a fortnight afterwards he buys others rodolph thought that he was able to account for this singular fact germain was desirous of destroying every trace from the wretches who were pursuing him fearing no doubt that his removal might put them on the scent of his fresh abode he had preferred in order to avoid this danger selling his goods and afterwards buying others the prince was overjoyed to think of the happiness in store for madame georges who would thus at length see again that son so long and vainly sought rigolette now returned with a joyful eye and smiling lips well did not i tell you so she exclaimed i am not deceived we shall have spent six hundred and forty francs altogether and the morels will be set up like princes here come the shopkeepers are they not loaded nothing will now be wanting for the family they will have everything requisite even to a gridiron two newly tinned saucepans and a coffee-pot i said to myself since they are to have things done so grandly let them be grand and with all that i shall not have lost more than three hours but come neighbour pay as quickly as you can and let us be gone it will soon be noon and my needle must go at a famous rate to make up for this morning rodolph paid and quitted the temple with rigolette at the moment when the grisette and her companion were entering the passage they were almost knocked over by madame pipelet who was running out frightened troubled and aghast mercy on us said rigolette what ails you madame pipelet where are you running to in that manner is it you mademoiselle rigolette exclaimed anastasie it is providence that sends you help me to save the life of alfred what do you mean the darling old duck has fainted have mercy on us run for me and get me two sous worth of absinthe at the dram-shop the strongest mind it is his remedy when he is indisposed in the pylorus that generally sets him up again be kind and do not refuse me i can then return to alfred i am all over in such a fluster rigolette let go rodolph's arm and ran quickly to the dram-shop but what has happened madame pipelet inquired rodolph following the portress into the lodge how can i tell you my worthy sir i had gone out to the mayor's to church and the cook-shop to save alfred so much trotting about i returned and what should i see but the dear old cosset with his legs and arms all in the air there monsieur rodolph said anastasie opening the door of her dog-hole say if that is not enough to break one's heart lamentable spectacle with his bell-crowned hat still on his head even further on than usual for the ambiguous castor pushed down no doubt by violence to judge by a transverse gap covered m pipelet's eyes who was on his back on the ground at the foot of his bed the fainting was over and alfred was beginning to make some slight gesticulations with his hands as if he sought to repulse somebody or something and then he tried to push off this troublesome visor with which he had been bonneted he kicks that's a beautiful symptom he comes too exclaimed the porteress who stooping down bawled in his ears what's the matter with my alfred it's his stasie who is with him how goes it now there's some absinthe coming that will set you up then assuming a falsetto voice of much endearment she added 
what did they abuse and assassinate him the dear old darling the delight of his stasi hey alfred heaved an immense sigh and with a mighty groan uttered the fatal word cabrion and his tremulous hands again seemed desirous of repulsing the fearful vision cabrion what that cussed painter again exclaimed madame pipelet alfred dreamed of him all night long so that he kicked me almost to death this monster is his nightmare not only does he poison his days but he poisons his nights also he pursues him in his very sleep yes sir as though alfred was a malefactor and this cabrion whom may heaven confound was his unceasing remorse rodolph smiled discreetly detecting some new freak of rigolette's former neighbour alfred answer me don't remain mute you frighten me said madame pipelet let's try and get you up why lovey do you keep thinking of that vagabond fellow you know that when you think of that fellow it has the same effect on you that cabbage has it fills up your pylorus and stifles you cabrion repeated m pipelet pushing up with an effort the hat which had fallen so low over his eyes which he rolled around him with an affrighted air rigolette entered carrying a small bottle of absinthe thank ye mademoiselle you are so kind said the old body and then she added come dearie suck this down that will make you all right and anastasie presenting the phial quickly to m pipelet's lips contrived to make him swallow the absinthe in vain did alfred struggle vigorously his wife taking advantage of the victim's weakness held up his head firmly with one hand whilst with the other she introduced the neck of the little bottle between his teeth and compelled him to swallow the absinthe after which she exclaimed triumphantly there now you're on your pins again my ducky and alfred having wiped his mouth with the back of his hand opened his eyes rose and inquired in accents of alarm have you seen him who is he gone who alfred cabrion has he dared asked the porteress Monsieur pipelet as mute as a statue of the commandant like that redoubtable spectre bowed his head twice with an affirmative air what has Monsieur cabrion been here inquired rigolette repressing a violent desire to laugh what has the monster been unchained on alfred said madame pipelet oh if i had been there with my broom he should have swallowed it handle and all but tell us alfred all about this horrid affair m pipelet made signs with his hand that he was about to speak and they listened to the man with the bell-crowned hat in religious silence whilst he expressed himself in these terms and in a voice of deep emotion my wife had left me to save me the trouble of going out according to the request of monsieur bowing to rodolph to the mayor's to church and the cook-shop the dear old darling had had the nightmare all night and i wished to save him the journey said anastasie this nightmare was sent me as a warning from on high responded the porter religiously i had dreamed of cabrion and i was to suffer from cabrion here was i sitting quietly in front of my table reflecting on an alteration which i wished to make in the upper leather of this boot confided to my hands when i heard a noise a rustling at the window of my lodge was it a presentiment a warning from on high 
my heart beat i lifted up my head and through the pane of glass i saw i saw cabrion exclaimed anastasie clasping her hands cabrion replied m pipolet gloomily his hideous face was there pressed close against the window and he was looking at me with eyes like a cat's what do i say a tiger's just as in my dream i tried to speak but my tongue clave to my mouth i tried to rise i was nailed to my seat my boot fell from my hands and as in all the critical and important events of my life i remained perfectly motionless then the key turned in the lock the door opened cabrion entered he entered audacious monster replied madame pipelet as much astonished as her spouse at such audacity he entered slowly resumed alfred stopped a moment at the threshold as if to fascinate me with his look atrocious as it was then he advanced towards me pausing at each step and piercing me through with his eye but not uttering a word straight mute and threatening as a phantom i declare my very heart aches to hear him said anastasie i remained still more motionless and glued to my chair cabrion still advanced slowly towards me fixing his eye as the serpent glares at the bird he so frightened me that in spite of myself i kept my eye on him he came close to me and then i could no longer endure his revolting aspect it was too much and i could not i shut my eyes and then i felt that he dared to place his hands upon my hat which he took by the crown and lifted gently off my head leaving it bare i began to be seized with vertigo my breathing was suspended there was a singing in my ears and i was completely fastened to my seat and i closed my eyes still closer and closer then cabrion stooped took my head between his hands which were as cold as death and on my forehead covered with an icy damp he deposited a brazen kiss indecent wretch anastasie lifted her hands towards heaven my enemy the most deadly imprinted a kiss on my forehead such a monstrosity overcame and paralyzed me cabrion profited by my stupor to place my hat on my head and then with a blow of his fist drove it down over my eyes as you saw this last outrage destroyed me the measure was full all about me was turning around and i fainted at the moment when i saw him from under the rim of my hat leave the lodge as quietly and slowly as he had entered then as if the recital had exhausted all his strength m pipelet fell back in his chair raising his hands to heaven in a manner of mute imprecation rigolette went out quickly she could not restrain herself any longer her desire to laugh almost stifled her rodolph had the greatest difficulty to keep his countenance suddenly there was a confused murmur such as announces the arrival of a mob heard from the street and a great noise came from the door at the top of the entrance and then butts of grounded muskets were heard on the steps of the door End of chapter one part three read by celine major